The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Hidden Yardage Podcast. Hey, it's 4th of July weekend. Right here on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network. I'm joined as always by Sean Martin. You can find him on Twitter at Sean Martin NFL. Find me on Twitter at the real Mark Lane. And yeah, we've got uh, quite a, an explosive uh, episode this week, Sean. You know, I never really stopped to think like where people may be when they're listening to our show. Certainly, we're on every platform that you can take us with you and we're in the car and at home and whoever you want to listen, there's an option for it. But, you know, just in the spirit of 4th of July weekend, I like to think, you know, someone out there at a the barbecue is listening to us and hopefully getting a little bit hungry later in the show as we talk about sandwiches or something like that and fireworks. So we'll keep things kind of festive and hope all of our listeners are having a great holiday weekend. And by every platform imaginable, Sean means Apple, Spotify, tune in, and Stitcher, and go ahead and go rate us, write a paragraph uh, about how it's your favorite show and that you appreciate our undying efforts to keep the Dayton Triangles relevant and not forget about the Hall of Fame career of Greasy Neal. Man, I wish our listeners could see the uh, behind the scenes that went into me figuring out who that actually was and, and then being able to talk about it on the show. But that was certainly fun. And yeah, we uh, are not too far from, you know, having a much easier time being able to make Dayton Triangles references because once the season actually starts, of course, then it should be easy from there. You know, just pretend they're one of the 32 teams in the league. Exactly. One of 32 teams in the league. But regardless of how many teams in the league, the most popular is the Dallas Cowboys forever and ever. Amen. And they are America's team. And since this is 4th of July weekend, when people shoot off fireworks to commemorate America's independence from the British, I thought there would be no better comparison than the Dallas Cowboys 2023 to, uh, you know, the assortment of fireworks that people are going to set off over this holiday weekend. So, Sean, I kick it to you. Um, 
I won the toss, but I deferred to you. And what do you think? What comes to mind for you when you think of just the holiday of fireworks and the Dallas Cowboys 2023? You know, I always appreciate when you're so notes to lead me to research something that doesn't have much to do with football. You know, I really wasn't familiar with all the different names and types of fireworks. Certainly I've seen them all and noted those different types, but it, it was fun kind of just watching some little clips on what these different fireworks look like and trying to compare it. So I got a couple for us and I'll start with the most bright and noticeable star on the Cowboys. And that would probably be Micah Parsons. And so I'm going to compare him to the Roman Candle. Uh, you look at some descriptions of this one, and it's the most noticeable out there in the sky. It's a big, thick, you know, beam of light and smoke and all that. It's loud, it's noticeable, and that just describes the young star that the Cowboys have in Parsons. So we're going to compare him to the Roman Candle. If I were to compare Parsons, I think he would be more of a mortar that you set off at the end of the night because it's just one big huge explosion mm. um that you can't miss if i were to compare anyone to a roman candle uh i think that's more like sam williams um because it's it's a great way to start off it's something that is it is appreciated as part of the the whole, but on its own, you know, still that doesn't exactly get the job done. But you definitely want to take it if you ever got into a shootout with your cousins. That's a joke. Please, people, don't do Roman candle wars this weekend forever. <laughs> Hope everybody comes back from the weekend of ten fingers. Let's say that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, what? Who for you are the? You're familiar with the snapping pops, right? Yeah, those are kind of just like the, like the out of the ground, like little sparkler type almost things. Yeah. So to me, I think that the undrafted free agents that everybody gets excited about in camp. Um, well, not camp, but OTAs. Those are kind of like your snapping pops. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's well said. You know, I was kind of going back on a segment we did last week, and I know we're going to kind of loop this back in today too, but, you know, we were talking about players that might be trade eligible and a lot of the times when you cover just one team, and so we try to check ourselves doing this, you cover one team, you – consistently, you know, overrate the players you're familiar with because you, you live in the bubble of only knowing really these Cowboys players better than you do any other team. And so you're familiar with them. You know their story. Of course, you know, the team's official media and all that does such a great job, like giving us the background on these players. So even if they've only been here for, for a short time, you start to feel like you know them. And that adds value that when you have to consider what other teams might see that player as, you realize that that value isn't there. So I was looking at some of the players we brought up last week, and it's like, oh, well, you might want, you might be able to get a late round pick out of this. You might want to keep stockpiling late round picks. And then you realize some of them are late round picks themselves that have turned out. So that not only adds merit to 
you know, continuing to stockpile eight round picks considering the Cowboys have had success there, but it kind of changes the perspective on how other teams might feel about these players and guys like Matt Farniak. I kind of forgot that he was a seventh round pick and now he's in the running to start at left guard. Yeah. And that those guys, you know, yeah, like I said, they make a loud pop and they're very noticeable and they're very fun and they get the festivities started. But I, I didn't mean to do this. I want to hear Sean Martin's research on the Cowboys and fireworks. And then afterwards I'll go through, I won't pick through each comparison like I did with Parsons. I want to hear this. I want to hear the full research here. Well, I only got two more, one offense, one defense, but I'm going to compare CDLM wide receiver one to a firework I found called the cross set. You look at this one, to me, it feels like basically what you see is the main part of the show, you know, whether you realize it or not. But when you watch your fireworks, you think of just the different colors kind of going back and forth in that standard pattern, either being a circle or more of like a fan out pattern. The ones I found with the cross set with that fan type pattern. And so it's a star of the show. It's another versatile, you know, with all the different colors to describe all the different types of plays that CDLM can make. And it was probably the best thing that came from the offense as a whole last season was finding out beyond any doubt that CDLM can be a wide receiver one. We had no idea if he was truly ready for that type of role outside of having Amari Cooper with him and really having a healthy Michael Gallup. With all those things taken away, he emerges the guy who could really be the star to show himself, and that is the corset firework. And then my other defensive pick, the uh, bottle rocket one. There's a whole bunch of different types of them. I didn't really do extensive research on kind of how to differentiate the bottle rockets, but they seem like they're kind of always a background part of the show. You know, you don't notice them with all the other loud ones going off and all the different color ones going off, but they're always there and they're kind of unpredictable in the way they take to the sky. So that describes the way that Javon Coast seems to always be around the ball and always makes plays, even though he's kind of positionless and you don't know where he's going to line up, but you know he's an important part of the defense, getting everybody else lined up too, um, to be a part of this bigger show. Yeah, I think the J-Ron curse as a bottle rocket, that's a good comparison. Um, maybe the special teamers as bottle rockets would be another apt comparison because they're not really thought about um, in the totality of your fireworks stash, but they get things started and they can make a really good pop that gets people excited. You know, like C.J. Goodwin, uh, Cedric Wilson when he was here, and Noah Brown before he started playing predominantly special – I mean, offensive snaps. And really that's what um, John Fossil's looking for when it comes to – Calvin Joseph, why he's always been in his corner. And he and Dorrance Armstrong, he's had some really good pops as a bottle rocket on special teams. I feel like special teams guys should be those little handheld sparklers like that you always want, but you don't want them to be the full 
So, you know, if you showed up to your friend's backyard, like, yeah, we're doing fireworks, and they just handed out those little sparklers, you'd, you'd leave immediately. You'd be like, no, this isn't actually a firework. So, but you do, you do still want those. I feel like that's a very traditional 4th of July thing, where if the show is missing that as far as a personal friends and family fireworks show and not like a professional one you go see, if it's missing that, it's not quite as good. But, you, you know, it can't be the only attraction. That's what this team views the special teams guys. Of course, you have some core players like Goodwin, who you already mentioned. But other than that, yeah, they try to find other roles for these guys. They stress the importance of making sure the role on special teams is, you know, done well. And John Fossil getting the most out of that unit is important in winning games on Sundays. But the way that they find that these guys can also play, you know, elsewhere, offense and defense to give you depth and some other important positions kind of makes them the sparklers as well. Yeah, and the Joneses, Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones, I think Jerry is actually a sparkler because, you know, oh, it makes a little bit of noise and it's uh, shiny and fiery and so forth. But, you know, really it's just kind of a distraction to the actual show. But if you get it can cause some trouble. Some sparklers are too hot to handle, you know, burn your hand. Some yeah, I've been, I've been guilty of holding on to one too long. So. Yeah. Some, if you get it too close to your stash, you could light your whole night's worth of fireworks just right then and there, and then you're done for the night. And we've seen that happen with a Jerry quote on the fan where he'll say something and then boom, that's the topic. Not that the team, you know, beat the Eagles 32 to 31. It's that Jerry said after the week six encounter that this team could win a Super Bowl. What was the name of the, I don't know if these count as fireworks, but do you remember those little like, those little like white, like it's like a toy thing and you like threw them against a the sidewalk or something hard and they made those popping noises to like, is that the cherry bomb one? But I feel like that's a good one for Jerry too. Cause like you can use them anywhere. You know, people used to bring them to school and we were, we were allowed out for lunch. Um, to, you know, we could walk around town for lunch and she could throw them on the sidewalk or whatever. That didn't happen too often. Yeah. Those are like... snapping pops. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, what that... we call them. I don't know what they call them up in the, uh, you know, central Jersey. <laughs> Yeah, I think we some of them got called like cherry bombs, or we we definitely had a different word that I'm forgetting for them. But yeah, you could just carry those and at a moment's notice just make a loud pop, and people won't even know where it came from because you know those. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. 
Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Yeah. Um, Ball and easy to hide, so. And Stephen Jones, he's more like one of those, um, there's these little cylinders that are about an inch tall with a string on the end, and you pull it, and it's just like this confetti pop. There's just a little bit of, <laughs> you know, gunpowder or whatever in the, uh, in the, um, cylinder but when you pull it you know it just makes this pop but it's just confetti you know don't do it near anybody's eye obviously (laughs) but if you but if someone were to get contacted with it on the arm or something it wouldn't really do anything like i said it's just more of a surprise pop thing and that's like stephen jones you know he says something and then people get a little startled by it. Do you remember the Al Michaels clip of, I don't know why I just thought of this, other than it being fireworks relevant, but it's still kind of random, but pretty sure it was Al Michaels. There was a Sunday game at the old Cowboy Stadium and the roof was closed and they set off a bunch of fireworks as the team came out of the tunnel. It was probably against the Eagles since we talk about how that's been the longest running Sunday night football rivalry, but against the Eagles, they run out the tunnel and then they set off a bunch of fireworks and then they cut up to the booth and Michaels is complaining about all the smoke in the building. He's like, and he's complaining that he hates indoor fireworks um, and the way that they kind of linger in the air when you set them off indoors with nowhere for the smoke to go. Well, I remember he made that complaint uh, after the start of the second half against the New Orleans Saints in 2006. That uh, at the at the old Texas stadium, I remember he made that remark uh, during a week 14 encounter. I don't ever remember him making the same type of remark at AT&T Stadium. And you would figure if he did, just how many people would take to Twitter and everything and have articles about the incident you see what i'm saying so we would know if it happened at AT at&t stadium i think you may be remembering something that happened like i said week 14 06 sunday night football against the saints i think you're absolutely right now that i think about it yeah because then the second half kickoff was coming up and there was still smoke on the field so yeah i think that's absolutely the uh, the right game the first thing that led me to that train of thought was thinking about indoor fireworks and how they are kind of weird and when I went down to Houston Rodeo which is at the Texan Stadium they they set some off as the concert was starting and you know that smoke was kind of lingering it was kind of a cool effect because like the stage is a star shape and it unfolds uh, so it starts as like a bubble where you can't see any any of the band members inside and then as it starts to unfold you see them and you hear them for the first time and so they accompanied that with some fireworks but yeah just in general I've always kind of been weirded out by indoor stadium fireworks and see this is why I wish I could run Stephen Jones's public relations because I'd tell him I'd say now Stephen when they talk to you about the salary cap, I want you to use this analogy. 
tell them that, you know, the way the Rams did it with the salary cap, it's like setting off indoor fireworks. There's <laughs> new and on excitement, but it's someday you got to deal with the smoke that just won't get out of the building. I think it was in Cincinnati this weekend or, uh, for a baseball game. They had the Reds had a walk off and they set off fireworks at a walk off and Taylor Swift fans complained because the concert was right nearby. I, I don't know exactly what stadium is right near the Reds place, but Swift was playing as well at basically the same time. And you could hear the fireworks during the show and it kind of interrupted T Swift. Well, it must have been Paycor Stadium, what used to be Paul Brown Stadium. Uh, where the Bengals play would be the only comparable venue. I mean, only nearby venue. Um, but Dak Prescott, I think that he would also be not really a mortar, but one of those um, big cylinders that's about a foot tall that shoots off, say, 40 uh you know, rounds into the air. Usually families have those as part of their big displays. Um, and it's very colorful. Like I said, you get um, a lot of shots for the amount of money that they cost, usually anywhere between uh, 30 to 40. And uh, yeah, like I said, they shoot off about you know, 40 of them and you get your money's worth and it can be the center of the show or it can be one of many. We need to ask Stephen Jones his opinion on the economics of the firework business, because I get that they're so seasonal. They have to. So. Bye. And get five, buy two, get you know a whole trailer's worth of them. So, you know, I get the nature of why it has to be like that, but don't really get the whole economics of being able to pay for one thing and then getting ten under fireworks. Yeah, we would need to make that comparison. And let's see, the coaching staff. I'm trying to think of a firework that would be. Well, I think Mike McCarthy is like one of those little spinny tops that you set on fire and it just kind of spins a little bit and makes a little noise and a little bit of fire and then peters out. That's kind of, it's, you know, just again, part of the show gets you a little bit excited, but not the main attraction. Yeah, I'm kind of vaguely picturing the type of firework you're talking about. I think I got it. And yeah, I could see that being McCarthy in the way that he's kind of been both praised and criticized at the same time for being, you know, what you can call like a walk around type coach. I mean, this year that'll be much different because he's the play caller on offense and he'll be working with Brian Schottenheimer, I guess, more in that role. But before that, it's like, you know, he checks in on his assistants and he has great coaches around him and how many things do you need in place to be able to succeed? Was it more McCarthy? Was it the assistants? Of course, it's Stan Quinn. But now, you know, we know beyond any doubt kind of how to judge if McCarthy's impact on the team is working or not because he's the one calling the plays for Prescott. Yeah. 
so I, I mean, I think that does it in terms of uh, comparing the Dallas Cowboys to fireworks. If we missed any, just let us know at the real Mark Lane on Twitter and at Sean Martin NFL on Twitter. But realistically, you know, they've really done a good job of adding fireworks to their roster over the past 10 years. Jordan Reed and Matt Miller from ESPN took a look at just the 50 best draft steals since, you know, over the past 10 years. And the Dallas Cowboys had some notable draft steals on there, which again, just, just showcases why Will McClay is never going to get out of the star. Yeah, the Cowboys lead the NFC Eastern players on this list, which is a good sign as far as them trying to have a long stretch of success winning this division, which we know doesn't really happen in the East, but even still just to represent it as a playoff team would be a good step, and they're well on the path to doing that. So they had three players on here, Dak Prescott, Trayvon Diggs, Demarcus Lawrence. The Giants had none. Washington had one with Terry McLaurin, and the Eagles have Jalen Hurts and Jordan Mailata to give them two behind the Cowboys three. Prescott was the third highest third round pick or later to me. That's when you can start talking about steals. You know, it's harder to really label a player in the first or second rounds to steal. It does happen where an unexpected guy even still outplays what's a high draft slot. But to me, it's that third and fourth round, like we already said off the open, even being surprised by some of the success the Cowboys have had in the fifth, sixth, and seventh rounds to make up this roster and make up some guys that you're going to be reminded of in training camp that can actually have a pretty significant role on this team. But the Cowboys are Prescott, Diggs, and Lawrence. I mean, it just goes to show the roster churn and how they kind of try to stay so far ahead of this. All these players are still certainly either in their prime or in a position to contribute a whole lot, but we've already covered kind of what their next predecessor might look like. That's not so much for Prescott, but, you know, if Diggs, we talked about, is there a trade possibility? You feel great about Deron Bland, Stephon Gilmore, Eric Scott even, and then adding to that from there, if you do move on from Diggs to Marcus Lawrence, do you have enough in the pipeline defensive end where they added Billy Army for Hoko in the draft? They've developed Sam Williams, doing Armstrong is really mode. So, you know, the way they back up these primetime players of also trying to have the next guy in line, and that sets you up to be a contender. I know we all ask them to kind of take a step aside from that thinking and just not worry about the future and go all in with as many talented players on one season as you can, but that's just not how they're going to operate. And it's for a good reason because it takes more than you know 90 players at times to get you through a season. And they certainly have that depth to be able to do that and still stay in contention for a long time. Yeah. And it shows how for the Cowboys who have not cracked the NFL's final four, a representation of, you know, the elite of a particular season. Although the Cowboys have not cracked the NFL's final four in over 25 years, there's still elements of the operation that are among the elite. Like you talked about, with have with being able to 
acquire these draft steals because you see the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, they're on the list. They got Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. Um, they counted. I know he's with the offense now, but the Chiefs were the one that helped, you know, develop him as a steal. So you see how Dallas has been up there. But again, it's just like this other missing element somewhere, which is why I think people get diverted off onto things like the salary cap or the offensive philosophy of establishing the run. Yeah, I know there was some kind of eyeballs and Brian Stottenheimer came in and said, you know, hey, this team's offense doesn't need to be turned on its head. I know it's, you know, hasn't shown up. It's a big game. Some adjustments that need to be made and the attrition of a long season has to be accounted for and all these things. But, hey, they put up all the numbers and points and, you know, fans at this point moving on from Kelly Moore don't want to hear about the numbers and points that he put up. But those things do matter. I mean, every line of work has objective ways to measure, you know, performance and how you're doing. And in the NFL, it's the numbers and the data of how you're playing. And all the numbers said that the Cowboys are better than we give them credit for most of the time. At least the average fan gives them credit for most of the time when it comes to really just this entire process, the whole, the roster build, drafting, putting up points, having, you know, being near the top of the league and the categories you want to be. And it just goes to show how hard it is to crack that final four and get over the top, which we hope they're able to do soon. Yeah. We'll be able to know in training camp, what kind of season the Cowboys will have, uh, which is, you know, coming up shortly. Let me ask you, Sean, when does it feel like the summer starts to shift into a countdown to training camp? When is it for you? Yeah, I don't know if I consistently have, you know, one landmark for this. Certainly training camp doesn't sneak up. Um, it's actually been one of my favorite things to cover, sometimes almost more than the regular season at times, of course, depending on how any given Cowboys season plays out. My first year doing this, I joined my first Cowboys site. I think it was like just before camp, and I wasn't really familiar with covering an offseason to the extent that, you know, a real NFL reporter covers it yet. I, you know, vaguely followed the offseason and knew a little bit about what was going on, and then game day showed up, and that's when you start paying attention. But yeah, the first time I covered a training camp, I'm like, oh, this is really fun, actually. It's, you know, a lot of analysis type things I like to write, the X's and O's type work, and really breaking down just football as the sport itself. So that's something I've really enjoyed. So I don't know if I have a set time for when I start to look forward to that. I think we're kind of already getting there, though, which is exciting. I will say, if I had a landmark, I'd go with the when I start seeing Cowboys fans on Twitter and elsewhere, you know, starting to make their plans to head out to Oxnard. One of these years, I'm going to have to take part and join in. Won't be there this year, unfortunately. But, yeah, I've yet to go to Oxnard. Hope to cross that off one of these years. But I, I would say the unofficial start is when I start seeing people making plans. For, oh, I'm, get, I'm going to be there. and oh, This fan's going to be there. And you end up being able to go to meetups and hanging out around California. So, when the time comes for me to be able to enjoy that, um, you know, it'll really make the countdown a little bit more fun. But for now, I'll say when I start seeing guys planning to actually go out there and enjoy seeing the team, which is a unique experience that you know not a lot of fans get to do. Mike McCarthy says, 
when it's after Fourth of July. Just you know, once that holiday's in the book. So about July sixth, seventh for him, that's when it starts to be a countdown to camp. And I, I mean, I gotta I got I, that's when I kind of feel it. Is also just like July 10th, really, when you start getting into the teens in July, that's when you just feel training camp is truly around the corner. Yeah, and it's always interesting to see kind of how the national media jumps right into covering camp. You know, you're turning on NFL Network during the offseason or so in a old game or an America's game documentary or any number of things. And then as soon as camp is within sight, it's, you know, four talk shows and they're on location and they're interviewing players again. It's like, oh, football season kind of is already here, you know, as far as the fans that are into it enough to follow camp, but you, you certainly showed you can gather a lot from how this team's going to look out there. So it's a big switch to flip and doing so right after celebrating July 4th makes sense to me. All right, let's go ahead and get to Cowboys' birthdays before we get out of here. On Monday, there's two. Teddy Williams, he's a receiver. Uh, in 2010, they converted him to cornerback. He turns 35. And again, he was one of those from Tyler, Texas, went to UTSA and was just one of those camp stories of, oh, well, maybe he can be. And he wasn't. Uh, Rondell Carter, defensive end. Turns 26 years old. He's with the team in 2020. Again, one of those solutions at defensive end because they didn't exactly have dominant edge rushers. Tuesday, Leroy Glover, who's a defensive tackle from 02 to 05, he earned a Pro Bowl or two with the Cowboys during that span. He turns 49 years old. Then on Friday, uh, Alvin Harper, who was Michael Irvin's co-number one receiver from 91 and 94 came back in 99 but he turns 53 years old on july 6th on friday and those are your cowboys birthdays yeah alvin harper such an important part of many championship teams for the cowboys and you know there's hope that they finally have another player like him this year it was the cdlm so last year but now he's surrounded by either a brandon cooks or a healthier michael gallup so you put that together and there's some hope that you can have your both Michael Irvin and Alvin Harper type duo as opposed to just Irvin, or in this case, just CDLM. Yeah, that's what they're looking for. And like I said, with Teddy Williams, again, there's a, there's always a local kid every camp that, oh, you know, he's going to, wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be a great story type of thing? And never usually happens that way. But you could argue Cavante Turpin was that for Dallas last year, and it did turn out favorable. So where's the best place in Arkansas to see some fireworks? I'm going to start driving, see if I can make it by the fourth. I mean, just take one of the back roads through. Uh, uh, yeah, up near Arkadelphia. Let's let's put it that <laughs> way. <laughs> My favorite place. I have a friend who's working pretty actively on going to all 50 states. Uh, he hasn't seen Montana yet, and 
we're making plans to go up there together and he's working in all 50 states and he's missing Arkansas. What, what's the, what, what can I, his idea right now is just to go to a Razorbacks game. He doesn't really have any other ideas for why he should go to Arkansas other than to cross it off his list. Um, do you have any recommendations for him as far as? Pan for diamonds. Uh, that's a thing. That sounds cool. Yeah. I mean, that's something he could do. He sent me a thing and he wants North Dakota to be his last state only because they have a museum type thing in Fargo where if you make, you know, people that do this and visit all 50 states, if you make Fargo and North Dakota your last stop, they have a museum where you get like a t-shirt and a hat and a certificate and they have this big sign that says like, thank you for making us your last stop. So they encourage you to make North Dakota the last stop, I guess, because people can't think otherwise of why to go there. So they kind of incentivize any reason to go and if you can cross it off the list last so he's missing North Dakota and wants to go for that but he's also missing Alaska and Hawaii so those are some big ones that you got to get to before uh, probably considering North Dakota yeah we ought to try to see all 50 states one year in the two weeks before training camp that would be fun <laughs> we could do it our hidden yard listeners are going to make it happen yeah well in the meantime I got to go find who would be willing to take semi foco? So uh, I'll work. Yeah, get on to work. That. You work on the fireworks, and uh, that does it for hidden yardage for this week. So there it is, folks.